I'm Chaplain Jacob Scott of the Oregon National Guard. This is the Hope in the Trenches podcast. We're going forward. I'll sit down for conversations with people who offer interesting and informative perspectives on finding strength for life and work in the trenches and even improving our spiritual posture. Whether you feel like you're under heavy bombardment or ready to go over the top toward a new objective, it's good to be with you. Hi, Major Chris Klein here, Hope in the Trenches producer. Chaplain Scott wanted me to do the introduction for today's guest, Chris Pronto. Chris and I served together over 20 years ago in Bravo Company, 2nd Battalion, 75th Ranger Regiment. Chris, or Tonto, as he is affectionately known in security contracting circles, started in the Ranger Battalion, then went on to private security contracting, where he was deployed throughout South America, Central America, the Middle East, and North Africa. He also worked with the U.S. government's global response staff, conducting low-profile security in high-threat environments throughout the world. Chris was part of the CIA Annex security team that responded to the terrorist attack on the U.S. special mission in Benghazi, Libya, on September 11, 2012, helping to save over 20 lives while fighting off terrorists from the CIA Annex for over 13 hours, Chris and his fellow brothers-in-arms told their story in the book 13 Hours, written by Mitchell Zuckoff. Chris was born in Alamosa, Colorado, and earned his associate's degree from Dixie State University in St. George, Utah, a bachelor's degree from Mesa State College in Grand Junction, Colorado, and a master's degree from the University of Nebraska at Omaha. He served four years in the U.S. Army and an additional four years in the Army National Guard, reaching the rank of sergeant and then becoming a commission officer in 2003. He started contracting for Blackwater Security Consulting in 2003 and continued to deploy on various security contracts, including the Global Response Staff, until 2013. These days, he's an entrepreneur, a training and marksmanship instructor with his own company, Battleline Tactical, as well as an author who co-wrote 13 Hours in 2014 and released The Ranger Way, Living the Code on and off the battlefield in 2017. He's a motivational speaker and podcaster, hosting the Battleline podcast with Ian Scotto, providing in-depth interviews and inspiration with the best and biggest names in the special operation community, including Green Berets, Navy SEALs, MARSOC operators, and more. He's also the co-founder of the 14th Hour Foundation, a nonprofit organization committing to raising and dispensing funds to help the lives and futures of veterans, military contractor personnel, and first responders who have served and sacrificed to protect America's homeland. Well, Chris, well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I just, I got to say, I've had a lot of fun listening to you guys before before we start recording. <laughs> just you and our, our co-host and producer, Major Chris Klein, just swapping stories from your Ranger Battalion days. Uh, I know when we were, we were both enlisted, we were, I was, he, I was on tab. Chris, were you, you did, did you get tabbed? Yeah. Fine. Were you tabbed when I was there? You were. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I got I got tabbed, I, I and uh, we were in the off post room together. And That's I went right. like to school um, like six months after I got to battalion, and then yeah. uh, and I think That's we right. went around the same time. We both got tabbed at about the same time. It seemed like. That's right. That's right. I, I, you were before me. I do remember because I, I remember looking to you for protection from some of the other foot tabs before I got to go to school. Yeah, so and, I, I, and we were in that off-post room together, yep. uh, and I was like, hey, how did this guy get in here without being married? Because I, I came into battalion married, which was not a good idea. <laughs> uh, but anyways, um, yeah, and uh, you were older and had gotten uh, through schooling, and that's where we met. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, I was one of those odd – well, remember that second time? I'd already been a battalion before earlier for about a year and a half when I had that screw up. And then, so, you know, I, you know, the most logical thing to me was to come back in and to, you know, to, to enlist again. Cause I just, I couldn't, I felt like I, you know, I, I think anyone that has left battalion without a tab or has gotten in trouble. And I did, I got into trouble. I was a young stupid ranger that did something stupid on block leave. I, I'm not the first, I definitely won't be the last, but you know, when you get kicked out of battalion, Luckily for me, because of, of Frank Grippy, who I still admire this day, uh, Sergeant Major Grippy and 
and then uh, we were, at that time it was before before us Klein. It was a uh, you know General LaCamera or Captain LaCamera Pete at the time. Luckily for me, they were able to get me an honorable discharge that I really shouldn't have gotten. But you know, I always say the Lord works in mysterious ways, <laughs> and and because of that, I was able to come back in, and I just felt like you know, okay, I got my degrees. I actually had a master's degree when I came back in that second time, but I hadn't completed the enlistment process in my mind. So I was like, well, let's go back in, do it all over again, re-enlist, go to basic again, which was just miserable because I knew it was, even though I knew it was common, go to rip again. Uh, I just had to go throw myself in an airplane five times and, and then come back to battalion. And, and uh, it, it was, it was, it was, it was a lot different because I don't know if I came across as being a little bit mature. I, I'm not, but maybe a little bit more mature <laughs> than the 70 year olds. But also knew what to expect. And remember also the P, the uh, the XO at the time, Selkie. He was he was the guy who went through basic the first time through, and him and I played football together. So I think a lot of guys were like, "How?" Because I remember walking in and Lieutenant Selkie came and started talking to me like we were buds. And there were a bunch of people standing around looking at me because I have a tab. I'm just a spec four. I'm a tabless spec four. They're looking at me going, how the heck, how come he gets to talk to the lieutenant like that? And I can't. And then people, yeah, well, they were like best friends in college. So there you go. So it was, but it was, it was cool coming back in the battalion. And it was awesome that I got that chance to do it again because I, I really felt like I failed the first time I was in. And and um, I did pray on it. I, you know, I'm, I'm even. I, I think I'm more, even more faithful now than I am than I was back then. So that shows you that God even pities us sinners out there. But at that time, I remember praying on it when I was out, going, God, please give me the opportunity to redo this because I, I failed at it. I, I screwed up big time. Give me the chance to make up for it. And when I showed back up, it was almost surreal. Like, oh my gosh, I can't real. I can't believe I'm, I'm back here again in the same company, same platoon. I'm tabless again, but I know what's coming. This is, this is amazing. It was amazing, but also scary because I knew what was coming as far as the, I'll call it hazing. I, I don't have, it wasn't as bad as it was in 95 when I came back, what was in 98 or 99. But it, it, when you know you're, you, when you know you're going to get smoked regardless of what you do, when you put your step, when you put your foot in the gate, <laughs> going, okay, I'm going back to going back. Here we go again. Let's see what uh, tab spec four games are going to be played out right now. And, uh, but it, it still was, it was an awesome, surreal feeling to be like, man, God gave me the opportunity to come back here again and do this again. I can't believe I have this chance to actually, after getting really RFS out of battalion and here I am again with this opportunity and I kind of know what's going to happen. I have an idea. It's not going to be as hard because I'm expecting it. It's going to be a little bit more apprehensive because I'm expecting it. But this is amazing. I, I, it really was just an amazing experience just to step foot on there again after the failure, the miserable, I, I will call it that, a miserable failure the first time I was there. You know, well, and uh, yeah, it was amazing. Well, that's, no, and that's, that's an incredible story. And I love the way you unpack that in your book, The, the Ranger Away. And yes, now, I mean, I, I was not that mature when I was in my 20s. I was a platoon leader in the 82nd Airborne Division. Um, and, oh, and, my gosh. You know, and I did have soldiers that would get in trouble, too. And I and I did. I tried to explain to them, look, you know, don't you can go one of two ways with this. You can let this failure define you or you can let your next step define you. Um, and, yeah. I, and I think you you unpack a lot of that in your book because you, you've had several pretty distinct phases in your career from active military oh, yeah. to uh, even some time with special operations in the National Guard and then contracting with yeah. Blackwater and GRS. And n- now you teach and you write and you speak. Um, have, have yeah. you, uh, looking back on that, do you have you reinvented yourself over the years or has it been kind of a gradual progression? No, it's, uh, it, it's been a gradual progression. I, I don't, I, to say I have a plan, I, I really don't have a plan at the end. There's some people that do, and it's okay to have that plan if that's how you're, you're built. If you need to have that goal, we all need that sense of purpose. Mm-hmm. But I, I have that sense of purpose, but I don't have, okay, this is what I need. I need to have this size, you know, I guess materialistic goals. I don't have those. Right. My goal at the end of everything is just, can I sit on my porch when at some point in my life and just look back and be like, wow, I really have nothing left I need to do. I've done it all. 
mm-hmm. thing I need. And that doesn't mean just going overseas and deploying and do that means raising my kids, being able to take them to school in the morning, I, I being able to watch them compete in the state high school championships, being able to be at home when a bad grade comes in, being able to see them go out on their first date. I mean, everything that is in there, that's what I want to be able to sit back on my porch. And, and regardless if I have a lot of money or I don't have any money at all, to me, the fulfillment is just the experience of life. And, and I have been lucky. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I really have. Because, you know, these experiences, you know, going through these phases, which they have been phases, and I do speak on them a lot. Some of those phases haven't been pleasant. I just told you about one of them. You know, another one was when uh, when I became an officer, and you know, all of a sudden in 2003, I, I, uh, I for, for okay, I'm, I'm not going to be politically correct here. I crapped my pants. I felt like I crapped my pants on a training op at Fort Benning, Georgia, <laughs> and and uh, it was hot, and I. I I actually reached back there and I found that I had blood. I'd actually passed blood through my system and, and, uh, and I had a severe case of, of ulcerative colitis. I didn't know it at the time. I just thought that I was, you know, tired and fatigued and because, well, I'm a ranger. That's how we are. I'm always tired and fatigued. Um, and that was another huge crucible, I guess I say, a piece because everything was going perfect. I'd actually fixed myself. I did my time at battalion. I got to go to uh, to group for a little bit. I'd become an officer. And all of a sudden, God said, oh, no, no, no. Wait a second here, buddy. You think you're getting a little too full of yourself? Well, let's, let's test you again. And having that disease come out of nowhere, at least to me, I thought it did, which caused me to have to get discharged from the military. Again, that was just, at, at the time looking at it, you know, back at then, I was angry. I was extremely angry. Like, what did I do to deserve this? Sure. Uh, that's kind of how I felt. But looking back on it now, that caused me to, well, I had to get out of the military and then God opened another door. Now that I can see it from afar, I can, I can, I'm a pastor. I can look back on it to get in that contracting world, and which later led to going to Iraq and Afghanistan and going to, to Yemen and Somalia and seeing all these things as a contractor and then also putting me on the ground in Libya on 9-11-2012, you know, that wouldn't have happened if God didn't say, well, you know what, let's, let's see how you handle this test. Mm-hmm. And it, 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 so, so really, I think everything for me has just been God saying, here, here's a test, here's a test, can you overcome them? Which, if you read the Bible, that's a lot of what God does. God says, testing you. Here's your, we're going to test your faith a little bit. Let's see how you how you deal with it. And with me, now that the anger has gone, and I did have a lot of anger after Benghazi, I did. Those of you that saw me on the news, you could probably see the anger for about three years, and it drove me down a very slippery slope of, of almost committing suicide three times. Hmm. Luckily, that's something I'm not very good at, <laughs> thankfully. Um, but when I let the anger go and I was able to look back at, at you know, getting kicked out of the military the first time and coming back to range battalion the second time. And that apprehension, the, the divorce that I went through the first divorce that really crushed me, the, the, um, the, the disease that I had to deal with that I'll never get rid of. Also colitis is not curable. You can just control it, which I luckily I'm able to do, but overcoming that. And then the multiple deployments of seeing, you know, 10 years of deploying before the guys even happened, of seeing a lot of death, but seeing also a lot of life saved. But looking back on all those things, I'm just thinking, man, God just, he just gave me obstacles to, to overcome. He just gave me an opportunity to, to, to better myself, to get my face stronger, to get my body stronger, mm-hmm. to get my emotions stronger. And when I was able to, like I said, look back at it without anger, those things were the path that I was supposed to go on. Oh, that was my path. And I was supposed to learn from those paths. I was supposed to learn from those obstacles on my path. I'm sorry. And, um, and in the end, can I, when this is all said and done, cause I got, I got a lot more life to live. Can I help somebody else down the line that's going through bad times? That's going through adversity because of all the adversity I've gone through. Can I teach people? That's what I do with the speaking. Can I teach people that adversity is just a way for us to get stronger? That obstacles are just a way for us to get stronger. It's just God's test saying, Hey, all right. Can you get stronger from it? Because once you do overcome that adversity or that obstacle, we really are stronger. I am. So I know when I'm faced with some sort of adversity again, I can look back at it and go, all right, I did that already. I'm, I know how to, I know how to overcome this. Yeah. And I think that's where we, 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 we lose 
the ability to overcome adversity because we look at that obstacle like, can I do this or not? Even though we've maybe overcome it before, we don't look at it as that we've, we've, we've gotten stronger. We just look at it as another bad problem in our life. We're almost looking at it as, nah, it, it may be a problem, but it's not bad. I've been through worse. I, that's how I overcame the, the, the suicide attempts. Was mm. The last one was looking in the mirror and looking, and this is after Benghazi. This is three years. I've been doing all the media, doing the movie that come out, the books mm-hmm. that come out. You know, I should be at the top of the world, right? I'm a yeah. public figure. Whoopie-doo, I'm a big deal. But, you know, in, in, in today's society, that's, that's that's where you're supposed to be, right? That's the social media. You're, you're huge. People know who you are. I, was the, wor- I was, was the worst I'd ever been in my life. I felt terrible. But looking in the mirror that last time and having the glide, I had a Glock 19 in my hand and going, man, do I really want to live like this the rest of my life? The answer was no. So I'm at a crossroads there. And then I thought back to Benghazi. I'm like, gosh, I just went through hell and back, made it through, and I'm going to give up on myself now. And then I look back at the getting thrown out of the military, then getting come back in, then being successful and getting my tab, then becoming an officer. And all those mountains, I, I climbed up to that point, and I took the gun down. I'm like, I, I'm not going to quit on myself now after doing all this throughout my life and then going through one night of hell that we made it through. Why would I quit now? So even looking at Benghazi, I don't look at that as a terrible night. I look at that again as another test of, man, can I do this? Can I overcome something? Yes, yes, I did. Yes, we did as a team. Well, I'm not going to give up on anything or even on myself now at this point in my life. It, it just is another obstacle of, and, and willing to build the ability to be successful because you've been tested. You, yeah. I've been tested. And, and also, you know, God put me through that for a reason. Mm-hmm. And, and I understand that now. And it was to get my face strong. And, and you know, I always look back at the story of Joe. It's like, man, yeah. I really didn't have it that bad. Look at how bad he had it. <laughs> right. Face, right. Face, so, so, um, well, I, 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 I know that's a long answer. It really is. And I'm sorry for your listeners having to, having to ordeal with, having to go through that ordeal. But I really do look at all those things that happen, all the bad things and the good things. You know, getting to range school, getting remarried, reconciling with my wife after I divorced her, the second wife, and now having a wonderful family, wonderful kids, and then God blessing us with a young young one again. So with our six-year-old, that I've been able to actually be involved more with his life than I was than I was able to with the 17 and the 13-year-old where I was deployed all the time. It just it's it's amazing the things that we're able to to, to look and experience the good and the bad. Because we just learn and get stronger from it. And, and in the end, you know, at least, and it's not the end for my life now, but in the end of where I'm at right now, I'm able to look back at all that and be like, wow, what a great life I've had. The good and the bad. This is like a roller coaster, but this is freaking awesome. I, and, and I'm so much stronger. I can handle anything. Anything that's thrown at me, I can handle. At least that's how I want to think I can. But I also want to make sure that I have that humility because... Mm-hmm. When we don't have that humility, God will be the first one that will kick your, kick your legs out from under you and be like, okay, I'm going to humble you a little bit now. Let's see if you can get back on your knees and, and remember you know, remember why you're strong. And, and I know he did that, especially in those three years after I got out and the book and the movie came out because uh, I tell you what, there were a lot of vices thrown my way during those three years, and I got a hold of myself, and, and, and God did humble me a lot. And that's why I will say, yeah, those three years of the movie and the book and being out on TV all the time and all that, they were the worst years of my life because I really had forgotten about God and thought it was all about me. And God had to remind me that it wasn't all about me. And that was okay. I needed that. And now I'm, now I'm back happier than ever. I, I really am. So, um, I I, know, I, know, I go in circles. I'm sorry about that, Pastor Chaplain. Oh. I'm sorry, about, but but I'm all over the place. But. No, I want I want to pull on a couple of those threads because that's that's super important. I think for everybody to learn too. Life life is always a mixed bag of of challenges oh, yeah. and suffering and setbacks and as as well as the good and and things that we can be that we can be thankful for and it's so important to have an anchor or a grounding and something that's really even that's that's transcendent something that's outside of ourselves or or it's easy to get blown off course yeah oh, oh yeah dude. 
we lose lose sight, we lose direction, and and we we don't pray. I, I praying is a huge part of life. I, I I've been praying every night, and even more so since I was sixteen. Um, during those three years, I had forgotten to pray a little bit. I, I still was praying every night, but it really wasn't a it wasn't from the heart. It was just going through the motion. Mm-hmm. And and when you don't pray correct way, which means you're praying from your heart, you're not just you're not just regurgitating words out of a prayer book or or all prayers you've said a million times. Um, you know, when you start to do that, you do lose your way. Or I, at least in my my case, I lost my way, and I thought I could do it all. Um, and you know, I, w- I was reminded that, that wasn't possible. That that no, you you can't do it all. And until I got on my knees and said, God, I can't do this. I, I need you to take the wheel. I, you know, I know that's a cliche now, but that's what I said. Well, there's a reason the cliches I, I, become cliches. Exactly, because there's some dang truth to them. Um, and um, yeah, it, it 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 was a heck of an experience to go through all that up to this point. And I'm still going through. You know, I'm still living life. I'm still enjoying life. I still have my ups and downs. I still have my demons, like everybody else out there that's deployed that has seen traumatic, traumatic injuries to me, to me has seen death has been through duress, but you know, I'm not afraid now and stay from the heart. God, I can't do this. I need your help. Can you, I need you to carry me a little bit here. And he always does. Um, always does. And I always get through it. Well, that, so, that it, perspective it, that your faith gives you, it well, it keeps your past in perspective and helps you move forward with with that same perspective. Um, uh, one of the taglines that you use in your podcast is finding God in the face of adversity. And, and well, even today, yeah. you're, you're not afraid to talk about your faith. And maybe you just touched on it, but were you raised in a religious household or was there a particular moment that your faith became a prominent part of your life? No, I, I was. You know, we, we I was one of those households that the kids was, I was one of those kids that was kicking and screaming every time they go to church. I knew, I don't want to go to church. I don't want to go to church. I was that, there was that household. Yes, God was oh, there, yeah. but, but I did not want to go to church. I, I wanted better, better things to do with my time on a Sunday. Um, but no, God was there. Christianity was there. Um, my, my grandfather, grandfather and grandmother, my Huelo and Huela, they were pictures from Mexico. They came over. So, Catholicism was big in the life, but we, I was baptized Episcopalian. Now I, I still am, I guess, but I don't hold one, one, um, one religion over. I really don't. Christianity to me is Christianity, but I, I really didn't take it seriously. It, it really ingrained into me until probably I got in the army. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason because of that, and I went in the army in 1995, that was the first time I was in is because Sunday was the one day I could get away from the church <laughs> and not worry about getting, you know, smoke, not worry about getting you know, any sort of discipline. I could get away from their, under their thumb. It, it, and it, I don't know. I just sitting in the pews at that time and at Fort Benning and sitting in one of the church pews, I, because I was, I was in a relaxed atmosphere. I guess I listened better. I could just listen to the stories better, listen to the sermon better than, when I was at home or even growing up where I just wanted to get in and get out. You know, sure. I wanted to be there. Okay. I got it. God's there. I want to get much football. Now I want to get out and I just, I don't want to be here. Really the army. When I first got in, that was where I started to listen. I wasn't that I, I didn't have Christianity in my life growing up. I did. I just never listened until then. And because that was the peaceful time. So they go, like, oh, well, and this is nice. All right. That's what that means. This is what this passage means here. Yeah. I'm getting it. And the army did make it stronger. And I think it just increased more as I stayed in. Uh, and then even when I got out, as I started to deploy, it got stronger because you start to see death. I think when you're faced with your own mortality, and I know I am, when I started to see, yeah, people can actually die and they can die quickly without anybody know, and that, without you yeah. know, without even a an, an indication that's going to happen. Yeah, I need to start taking this more seriously. And I did have a ranger buddy that gave me a prayer Bible when I first went to Iraq, and um, you know, I, I read it, and every day I'd read it because I wanted to come home. So maybe the faith was more 
more there because of, and that's terrible, terrible language. This terrible grammar. Sorry, guys. <laughs> no the, faith was, the faith increased because I didn't want to die. And now maybe that's not the right way to think of it, not the right way to, to have your faith come into your life and get stronger, but it was more for God's protection yeah. than me giving myself to God. It was, God, I need you to take care of me. I don't want to die. I don't want to, I don't want the IED to hit me. I don't want to get hit with an RPG. I don't want to get shot by a sniper out out in the high for, you know, out in the high for street. Yeah, I don't want somebody to roll a grenade into my car and uh, die. I want to go home, but at least it was still there. Well, I think it that's, still, I, and then, oh, oh, I'm sorry, Chris. Uh, no, I think that's okay. And you, what you've, we've been talking about for the last minute or so, it, it goes both ways, doesn't it? Your, your life experiences. And for you, it was when you joined the army that gave you a different perspective on the faith that you were given as you grew up. And then, and then going forward too, your faith gives you a perspective on your life and experiences. It, it does. It does. Uh, I think myself, I, it was more selfish parents though back then. And later on, as I got older and I, I do believe there is wisdom out there. You do gain a lot of wisdom. The prayers started to be less about selfish prayers of protecting me and more prayers of, all right, God, you did everything I asked you to do for me. You've taken care of me. You've given me a wonderful family. You, you righted my ship. Now it's, what can I do for you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> can I do something to get your word out? Can I? Wait? And when I, when I go do my speeches now, I pray in the morning before I go on that God use me as a vessel. Please use me. And let me say the words that need to, this group needs to hear today. Because mm-hmm. um, my speeches aren't, I don't use PowerPoints. I just get up there and talk. And um, it, it's a way for me to pray, to, to, to give back. Because God has given me so many chances that I don't know if I deserve or not. He obviously believes I deserved him. But me, well, regardless of what I think, he believed I deserved him. So it's not my way of saying, man, I, I prayed everything and wanted everything from you. What can I do now? Because you have given me everything I've ever asked for. What can I do to, to give back? And I don't know, maybe that's a selfish way of praying too. And maybe I'm still going through another wisdom phase that when you ask me when I'm 70, I'll have a different answer for you. But right now it's, it's just wonderful thinking back of like, wow, he, he really did take care of me. Everything I asked for when I needed to get tested, he tested me, but he got me through it. And now it's, and I, I don't, I don't know if I'm, I don't think any of us that are Christians feel like we ever deserve God's love as much as, as much as he believes that we deserve his love. Yeah. I, I, and I, that's the way I feel, but I'm, I'm still trying to do everything I can to get back and live, a, live a life, live a great life based off the commandments. Well, that very first definition of the word grace that I ever learned, you know, as a kid going to a, a, a church school was uh, that that's God's uh, undeserved love for us. Yep. So, so that yeah. works with my anthropology, too. It is. <laughs> but you know what? I, the commandments, I've broken every command. I have every commandment I've broken. And mm-hmm. now I'm just trying to repair those those commandments and, and do do better. And just do, and if that, do what he would like me to do. What is what is. And that's why I say, God, just put me on that path. Just lead me. Where do I need to go? Um, I still believe there is free will. And God says, God gives us free will. Obviously, I've utilized my free will on many occasions where I probably shouldn't have. But still, though, there's still that ability to have that free will and still say, I have to pass here, God, left or right, help me. I don't know which way to go. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I, I wasn't able to do that in my younger stages. Uh, as a kid, but yeah, God was in my life from an early age. Just my views of of what of how I should live a Christian life. I think they've just changed over the years because of all my experiences that I had to go through and been lucky enough to get through. Oh, I, I hear you, and I can sympathize with a lot of that. So we're recording this on a Monday, and I just preached yesterday at one of the, the area churches here, and I, I get a lot of mileage out of this joke, but one, one of my professors told us that God makes some of us pastors just to make sure that we're in church every Sunday. So, um, You're going to be the one, one that's got to go to church every Sunday, and that's how I used to look at it. You got, I got to go to church. Yeah, it wasn't that I get, I get to, I get the opportunity to go to church. So I, I got to go to church. Oh but yeah, they're expecting now, me to show up. Yeah, <laughs> but I guess you can't get away from that one, can you? You're stuck. But I need <laughs> it. But I need, I need it just as much as anybody else sitting in the pews. 
well, sir, I don't know about that because I've never been a never been a chaplain, never been a pastor. Um, but I will take your word for it. Raise <laughs> me. I think you you guys you know if anybody more godlike is a bad term. I say more godly than anyone else. It's it's the chaplain, it's the pastor, and it's somebody I would lean on when I come back from deployment. Mm-hmm. When I would do something. First time the first time I and, and I, this isn't a bravado story. I, I hate saying this because I think a lot of the war stories and the guys that serve it turns into bravado stories. Um, but the first time I had to take a take up another man's life, it didn't sit well with me because I broke in commandment, in my opinion. Like my gosh, and mm-hmm. I'm gonna have to do it again. And if I want to come back home, and I did have I sit down with my pastor, Pastor Steve, loved the best pastor I've ever had. He, he was in Omaha, Nebraska. Um, and, uh, you know, he wasn't, he was, he was, a he was a, uh, uh, a Lutheran. He wasn't Episcopal either, but he was my pastor because my kids went to a Lutheran school. He didn't care if I was a Lutheran or not. And I sat down with him. I came back from Iraq and I went, sure, I, did, what, I, did I break a commandment? I did what, I don't, this doesn't feel right. He talked me through it. Like, Chris, you're doing something that you may lose your life and you have to defend that. And God understands that. And I'm paraphrasing because of the words. Yeah, I know I'm giving exact words, but it was that 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 it was that you're you're fine. You know, you're you're not doing anything out of hate. You're not doing it out of out of you know sheer emotion. You're, you're doing it because that's your job, and that's what yeah. you have to do. And if you want to come home to your family, then that's what you have to do. And he he did talk me off the ledge because it did bother bother me, and it still bothered me down the line too. But not as much because I believed I had an understanding now of what, why I was there and what I was doing. And, and that out of necessity, you know, if I wanted to come home and if somebody's trying to kill me, then that's what I'm going to have to do. And I came to terms with it, but I wouldn't have come to terms with it without my pastor. That's what I'm saying. You guys, to me, I, you put me in front of a five-star general and put the pastor over here. I'm going to go talk to you before I got to talk to this five-star. Sorry, <laughs> sir, but. I'm going over to this pastor and chaplain and talk to them because I really believe they know how I need to lead my life or can give me the wisdom I need to, to move forward. So you guys keep going to church. You keep doing your thing, <laughs> chaplain. All right, well, because I'm leaning on you, man. Well, so Klein gave me a, he gave me a knowing glance. You should have seen the smile on my face because I'm, I'm a Lutheran <laughs> pastor by training. Um, so oh, no way. I, <laughs> offline, I might have to get Steve's name because I, I might know him, or at least there's like one degree of separation between Lutheran yeah, yeah, pastors. Yeah. Well, I didn't know there was two. He's, he's a Wisconsin. I didn't know there were different. There was. Uh, oh, there are. Yeah. yeah, I didn't. I didn't know that. See, that's what I, because I just Lutheran's Lutheran, right? Uh, no, I'm a Welsh. I'm a Wisconsin Lutheran. There's this Minnesota Lutheran. I was like, what? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You're whatever. Oh, that's great. <laughs> All right. Yeah. That, that, no, that's, that, that's fantastic. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah. I, I really do hold Pastor Steve in high regard because. He talked me down, and that was at the beginning of my deployment. That was when I first started deploying, and I, I really do think if I hadn't spoken to him candidly at that time, the next 10 years, it would have been rough, mm-hmm. rougher, I should say, especially coming home. Not so much when I was there. When I'm, when I'm there, and I did say this in a ranger way, I was my best person when I was overseas. I was my best person I could be when I was deployed because – I, I, vices did not control me. All I cared about was working, going out and doing offs. Didn't drink a ton. You know, I didn't care about, I, I didn't care about the, 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 the other the women that were out there on in the deployments. I tell you what, and I think anybody in the military will say the same thing. And just the, the opportunity for, for those vices, the drugs, the alcohol, the, 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 the extra men out there, it, it's 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 rampant it really is but to me when i was deployed it, it didn't bother me i had more problems when i was home so honestly if i wouldn't be able to get through that what i'm getting that with pastor steve those times that i was deployed would have been just as miserable as and uncontrollable as those times when i was home if i wasn't able to handle and and, and rationalize the job i was doing rationalize it in a good way not a bad way and i didn't go out there and look to take anybody's lives i never I, I will say I never shot anybody that didn't shoot at me first ever. I, and that's God on the truth. But I think I would have been able to handle, wouldn't have been able to handle the death 
that I that I saw or that I experienced or that I was a part of, um, because I wouldn't have, I just would have thought it was a death. You know, I, it wasn't it wouldn't have been a well fighting terrorists is terrorists trying to kill me. It just it was man, I took another guy's life. Well, well certainly. Yeah, and right, having right, having right. that uh, no, but having having that perspective on what what we're called to do in the military because that's I, I heard one chaplain describe it this way that a big part of what chaplains are doing is pre- not just preparing people to take lives but preparing people to die I- I- as well because yeah. those are the realities of this vocation the, the warrior calling the warrior vocation. Again, you're you're spot on. Actually, that reminds me of a prayer that I used to read. Every day, my ranger buddy gave me that prayer book I told I said about, and there was a prayer before battle, and mm-hmm. I still remember the end of the prayer. It said, "If I die on this battlefield today, may I die at peace with you." And it scared me the first time I read it. I I, I was like, I just had my new boy, he, I hadn't seen him but a month, and then I was back over in Iraq, so I hadn't seen him in seven months. But I wanted to come home, so when I read that the first time, I was like, "Wait a second, why is God telling me it's okay to kill me here?" That's not, this is not right. I don't like this prayer, but I read it every day before I went out on an op. Every day I got up, prayer before battle. Mm-hmm. Pastor Steve again, I went back to Pastor Steve and I said, Pastor, I said, Pastor, I don't like this. I don't, why does God want me to die here? Why is he telling me it's okay to kill me here on this battlefield? I want to come home. And I remember he said, he looked right at me and I think he, I, he looked at me like I had something growing out of my forehead. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, but it was, it was like, but it was a caring parent look like all right really chris you're really gonna ask but he said he goes chris that's that's not what it means it just means accept the fact that you're in that position wherever you're at at that point in time because god wants you there this is where he wants you if there's a car that blows up a vbid goes off and you're there that's where he wants you if you're sitting by the pool out drinking having a coke or having or having a beer i have a beer out of the pool at the uh, saddam's palace because you had an off day that's where he wants you Right, but don't think that he wants you dead. He's just saying accept the position that you're at at that point in time because that is where you're supposed to be. And when I heard that, that is actually when really a lot of the pressure of being overseas went away and the enjoyment of the deployments actually picked up because I could accept wherever I was at. So when an explosion went off, I could honestly admire it. When we were for firefights at night, I wasn't worried. I, I could like, wow, did you say it's like a laser beam? And you say, you just, you just see those firefights and our firefight going on when you're shooting and people are shooting back at you or, or even when we went to ran on the compound in Libya in Benghazi and we we're going on there, I did have to go up a big building to try to put sniper fire in there. I, of course I was the smallest guy on the team, so I had the most guns. I had a Mark 46 <laughs> and I had my rifle, but I still remember and this is 10 years in, this is after I'm able to really, I'm able to accept wherever I'm at at whatever position in time I'm at, wherever point I am at, getting up on that top of that building, looking into that nine acre compound, which is the U.S. consulate, and it was all on fire. I mean, it was just, just blazing fire. And I wasn't scared. It was like, I, I said in my head, like, wow, that is freaking gorgeous. Look at that. The only way I was able to do that is because of, Pastor Steve telling me with the prayer, hey, accept the fact where you're at. And if I accepted that I was in there, I could enjoy everything. I felt like a racehorse that took his blinders off. And so and I was able to do my job better because I, I didn't worry about dying or living or nothing. I just, all right, let's go do our job. What do we get to see today? Wow, that is awesome. Who gets to see this kind of stuff? Yeah. And even, even the horrible, but it still was, all right, God, this is where you have me. Um, and it helped me. And then it, it helped me down the line too. Even when things got bad, it, it really did. And, um, yeah, that's why I, 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 I love, and, and that's why I, I do believe the crucible comes about because I wouldn't have known that the first time I was in, in Iraq. I didn't know that the first time I joined Ranger Battalion, I didn't know all that. I had to learn that by trial and error and then asking questions, talking mm-hmm. to a pastor saying, mm-hmm. what does this mean? I don't get it. And that is kind of a prideful thing too, where you're like, Alpha male doesn't know everything. Oh my gosh. And you got to throw your, your pride aside for a little bit. And you're like, okay, I need help. What does this mean? And so uh, it, it just was a wonderful experience. I, I, I wouldn't have traded anything, even the bad stuff for what I've been able to experience so far. And God is a huge part of that. And in fact, 99.9% of that is God's, God's will. And 
I'm, I'm, I'm allowing that to, I'm allowing that in my life now, or I didn't when I was younger because I thought I knew everything. Obviously I didn't. I, I don't think you're the first person that's thought that either, <laughs> but you know, so in, in our tradition too, we talk a lot about vocation and, and a calling and that we're given these various callings in life. And of course, you know, when you, when you get a call, that means someone else is calling, right? And, yeah, but yes. Each of the each of these different vocations that we're given, it's it's never for our own benefit. Now, certainly, there's a lot we get a lot out of it when we're working well in our vocations and and we're yeah. performing performing well and, and doing a good job in all of those vocations. We get a lot out of it too. But whether that's yeah. in your family uh, or in the world, which is you know in the civil world, which is the military and the contracting and stuff that you do, that's it's it's right there. That's always for the benefit of others. It, it, it is, but it is also for the benefit of self too. I, I'm not, I'll, I'll tell you that I, a lot of the guys that they, they do it because it, it, it makes them feel cool. I, I, I would be, I would be lying to you if it didn't, if I didn't say that going over and doing stuff for the CIA and, you know, I guess, Hey, I mean, I was a contract for CIA. It doesn't sound cool. And oh, yeah. so there is right. a lot of, there is some yeah. self in there and, and you got to get over that. That was where I had issues. And I think that's where God knocked me down a few pegs quite a few times because I thought a lot of myself Yeah. instead of thinking of, wow, this, I'm doing it. And I did want to think, yeah, I'm doing this. I'm saving people. I'm trying to help people. I'm, I'm fighting, I'm fighting terrorism. You know, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm on the front lines doing this. When I was able to finally take a step back after I got out of it and after I really allowed God, it really did allow God in my life. And I, I look back at it now and I can say it was a bit selfish too. Cause it felt, I felt like a cool, I was cool. Oh. Yeah. You know, and, and that was, that was, that, whether it was wrong or right at the time, that was how I felt. Oh, I, be, and, I believe um, you. Yeah. And I think we do. We get a ton out of it. I think, of course, this is maybe one of the saving graces is that um, if we're in the if we're in the right place and doing the right things, you know, even if we have the wrong attitude or we or we don't have that broader sure. understanding for it, um, that that's still providing benefit to the world. And that's, you know, and God can still use that to benefit others. You're, you're, you're right. I love the way you said brought, the brought, I wasn't broad enough. Right. It didn't brought. I had to. My horizons needed to get, needed to be broader than what they were at that time, but that's what was happening. And I can look back at that now because you're you're exactly right. I remember a, a little Iraqi. Oh my gosh, I remember. I remember it was in 2005. Uh, uh, we were I was at a checkpoint and we were stopping traffic. I had the ambassador, and he's coming ambassador to Iraq. And this this you know he's a huge target, and I was in charge of the detail. And I remember standing at a roadblock, and we we're blocking this area off because we don't want the ambassador to get hit. And I remember this truck coming at me and it wouldn't stop. And I remember pointing my gun as the truck got closer and I was looking for all the indicators. Was it a car bomb? You know, and it wasn't, didn't, because it wasn't riding low. There were two people in the front seats, usually BBIDs or suicide mm-hmm. bombers. Mm-hmm. It's usually one and it's usually in a smaller car. And you can tell it, it's like it's on hydraulics. It's, it's, it's almost to the ground because of all the weight. Um, and it, it is driving haphazardly. This one wasn't. So I, but I remember putting my EOTech and the dot on that front guy's windshield. And as he got closer and he wouldn't stop. And I remember as it got close enough, I saw in the front seat, it was a, it was a man and it was his son. Mm-hmm. And I remember looking at the son and he's looking at me and, and my, my rifle is still raised. I'm putting it down now, my M4 and just seeing a look of terror in his eyes. He couldn't have been more than four or five. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking to myself, Oh my gosh, what did I just do to this little boy? And then I don't know where it came from. I, well, I do know where it came from. God said, yeah. get your wallet out and show him. Because I saw it, I had a picture of my newborn son. And I, he said, get your wallet out and show him that picture. And I just instinctively pulled my wallet out, took the flip of the picture of my newborn son, and I slapped it on the front windshield. And I smiled at him. And I gave him that little jumbo sign that you see in the movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I smiled at him. And I'm getting shows. I was going to start crying because of... Um, I remember seeing him just smile. The little boy, he's like, this guy isn't that bad. He's yeah. not a bad guy. And I flipped my sunglasses up too, because we always look like Terminator guys. I should look at my eyes. And and I saw this, this the father smile. And I remember I said, I know he didn't understand my English, but I knew he could understand my mannerisms. So I mm-hmm. could just wait one second, wait right here. We'll let you go. And I did it. So it wasn't an aggressive movement. And he, he just smiled. And the, and the little boy 
smile. But I think back now, and I think it chokes me up a little bit because I think of, man, what if my boy, if he was four or five, had to grow up in, in something like that? And, and what if I would have handled it differently? And I don't think I had any inclination I was going to shoot the vehicle because it were, wasn't indicators of it being a car bomb or a truck bomb. I, and I was pretty astute to that at that time. I could see, I could enter, I had been in Iraq almost a year and a half at that time. So I knew, but just the trauma that you could cause somebody just by being an aggressive jerk. And yeah. I wasn't, you know, yeah. and it, it, it wasn't, and it wasn't something that was planned out. So I, I guess you're, you know, Kaplan, that's why you guys go to church every Sunday. <laughs> you just brought, you just, you say things like this and, well, you're right. You know what? I wasn't planning on it. I, was, I wasn't the best Christian I could be at that time either. I was a Christian, but I wasn't the best at all. I had a lot of foul, a lot of fallible moments, but God still said he, he took over and he just did it. I, it wasn't something I've ever thought about doing either. It wasn't like I'm standing in the, in the, in the rear going, well, if I get run up by this vehicle, this is how I'm going to defuse the situation. It just happened. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, I, I still remember the smile, the smiles after the look of sheer terror from these American, this American kitted out looking like the Terminator to, oh my, he's just a human being and he's, he's not going to hurt us. In fact, he, he, in fact, he wants to take care of us this is what I got the feeling from the smiles from. Oh yeah. That's, that a, was, that's that, a pretty that, that, powerful glimpse of yeah. humanity in the midst of all that chaos and, and yeah. destruction. Yeah, well, well, and there's a reason there's that proverb that uh, essentially gray hair on the temples is a blessing, right? It, <laughs> it gives us, it gives us that perspective. You're, you're, you're exactly right. I'm getting a lot of blessings here pretty soon. They're coming in yep. right here on that. <laughs> well, and you're, and you're using, you're using those blessings too, to be a blessing to others. You've, you mentioned in, in your podcast that the conversations that you have with your guests and the lessons that you're able to share is, is therapeutic for yourself in some way, but, but you're sharing those lessons with others. And I, and I think your, your book helps achieve that too. Well, I I hope so. I, you know, I, I, I wish you, you always look back and my father said this to me, my grandfather said this to me, you know, you know, you're, you, you, they always, when I was growing up, you're going to wish that you listen to me more when, when you grow up and you're a kid, you're like, no, no, you're no, no, I, I, no, no, you don't know what you're talking about, dad. You know what you're talking about? Looking back on it now, I'm like, yeah, you know, they were right. Mom was right. Dad was right. The, my elders were right. And I guess I'm, I'm caught in that phase now where I am an elder. So I'm just trying Hey, learn from my mistakes, learn from my experiences. And, and if you, anybody that's read the Ranger way, it's not, about success at all. It's about messing up over and over and over again, but handling that adversity and overcoming it. And that's why the podcast, when we wanted to do the podcast, that was going to be the theme of it. It wasn't politics. It wasn't, you know, just bravado horror stories, which there are some in there. Of course, a lot of these guys have done some amazing things, men and women. We've got both men and women who have served, but it was what happened after and how did they handle the adversity whether it was during the combat phase, but then more so when they got home. Mm-hmm. And, and it does help me because not that it, I, I don't feel that I'm not alone. I know I'm not alone. It's that, that I get to hear their stories of overcoming adversity. And it may be something that I can use later or that I haven't done. And I can throw it in my kit bag and utilize it later. And that's why it's therapeutic for me. It's like, man, that's, that's a dang good idea. If I'm ever going through that, he gave me a snippet of knowledge. So I, I think it's more of, of, uh, being therapeutic for me because I'm learning. I, and I think we're always learning, but I'm learning from the guests we have on. And, and it's, it's, it's awesome. It's amazing to learn from, from others. It, it, and I can, and also it teaches me that I've been able to put that bravado aside. Yeah. I, I'm still an arrogant SOB every once in a while. <laughs> I, everybody has their moment. We do. But, it, but during the podcast, no, for the podcast for me, it's, it is the ability for me to talk and get some of my stuff out. Even though it's my podcast, I need to shut up and let the people talk. You know, sometimes I talk over our guests, but it's also, I've been able to learn a lot from the guests and learn how they overcame their adversity and learn from their strength. And, and it's been awesome. And that's what the, our podcast is all about. It's just overcoming adversity. I wish that was more important in today's world um, than, uh, than divisiveness and whose side is right and whose side is wrong. But um, regardless, we're going to keep doing our podcast that way. 
and you know hopefully more people will still come around to it and listen to it and um and if not you know as long as we've helped one person which i know we have because we get emails saying we have then we're doing the right thing and it's it helps me so so it's it's a win-win twofold for for myself and and as far as ian goes i get to work with a tremendous professional in that line of work so the podcast for me is easy because I don't have to do any of the work. He gets, he does everything. <laughs> he does the engineering and the, and the editing and, and I just got to show up. So I, I've been extremely blessed to have a therapeutic podcast, one that is very positive. At least I think it is, but then also not have to really work at anything because the guy that's on it is a subject matter expert and does it all. I, 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 I couldn't think of a better I think you couldn't think of a better job to have, to be honest with you. <laughs> I feel the same way. I, well, I, I think it's attributed to Martin Luther, but there's that expression that uh, I'm just a beggar showing other beggars where to find bread. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. well, and Chris Klein yep. keeps me in line too. I just roll into the studio and, and Chris Klein produces it. Your, your old ranger buddy. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Got to have that one. Always be with somebody that's smarter than you. That's, I always am. And I always am. Always with somebody that's smarter than me because then I can just, just do the, I can just do the work that's fun. They get to do all the hard work. And, and that's, that's how the, the podcast is. But it, it, I, that's a blessing to me. And I, I, I'm blessed to have Ian on that podcast with me. Um, and I'm blessed that we've gone what, almost to, almost a year and a half, two years. And, and it started off at just, Hey, let's just go try this, see what happens. Mm-hmm. And here we are, here we are, you know, almost two years later and, um, still rolling along, still have a lot of guests that come on too. And, um, and it's, and it is helping me every, every day, even the days. And I don't know, chaplain, if you feel this way or not, but there are days I don't want to be on. I was like, gosh, do I want to do this today? I don't want to get up today and do this. But once we start, I feel tons better. I don't know. Maybe you're, oh, I don't know yeah. if you're like no, that or not. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. The ner- the nerves or anxiety or whatever, what, you know, if you had a, a fight with your spouse or whatever, your kids, or you had yeah. a rough morning and then you, you get there and, and then it just flows. Yep. Exactly. But that, that just meant, means it's, it's meant to be still for right now. It still needs to go on. And it's been, it's been great. Um, and it's also, it, it does, it helps, it's helped me realize and even look back and remember the good and the bad because when I'm on a podcast and, and somebody comes on and starts talking about the, an experience, not that I'm not listening, but there, it might ring a bell with something I may have forgotten in Kandahar. I may have forgotten in Kabul. Or I may have forgotten when I came home and it remember, reminds me in my head and it, it just allows me to remember and allows me to learn from my mistakes um, and, or learn from the good things that happened by the the other veterans that we have on have our have a compelling story or you know we have veteran spouses on i think i never admired a veteran spouse as much as i do have done after the podcast because they really do and, and my wife you know she's wonderful putting up with me for so much how much they have to go through when we're gone oh yeah and the podcast has helped me actually realize that I guess I, you know, you, you do take it for granted a bit or as a spouse that deploys a lot, you say, yeah, I get it. I get it. You really don't until you hear it from another spouse and they're talking directly to you about the bills or I, we had our, our last guest, uh, Chris, I believe it was Chris Whittemore is his name, a Marine. And he talked about, and it was hard for him to talk about. I, I'm so happy he did. Um, he went through a lot because he was a, uh, he was a Marine in Ramadi at the time. And in, in, in 05, and that was, you know, that was a, that was a meat grinder there, mm-hmm. but it's his wife that had the nervous breakdown, not him. And he, he, he really, he talked about it. It was hard for him to talk about, but to me saying that it just made me realize, you know, it is, it's the wives that are home. We're, we're kind of in control of our own destiny for the most part when we're deployed. Yeah. You know, a bullet, bullet may have your name on it. You don't know it, but you're still in control of the op you're still going out on a mission you know you still have some control if you're at home as a spouse you're just waiting am i going to get that phone call oh my gosh did we get paid this month did, did, did oh i got to take the kids to school there's a tree in the front yard that needs to be cut i mean all those things that they have no control of and, and i never admired the spouse as much as i i have since the podcast because i didn't realize it that way yeah you know and i also i I, I never, I, I've always loved my wife, but I love her more than anything now because 
the way she handled it wasn't just a year it was 10 years of me being gone 10 years of constant deploying in and out the and door she had, yeah and she handled it and a divorce we and her, her and i divorced once because divorced when i got out when i was going through the movie and the book because of my my stupidity and my my just my ignorance and then she you know how much of an angel she is to take me back after god humbled the heck out of me and i came back on my hands and knees but that's amazing and it shows the strength of spouses are, are the strong ones we're the, the veteran that deploys we have it easy and all we got to worry about is not dying I mean, that's i mean really that's it we don't have to worry about anything else and yeah it, it's it's made it amazing for me as and the podcast has has shown me that and if i hadn't done the podcast yes i would have always admired and, and thought highly of veteran spouses but not to the point that i do now where they're at the top of the pedestal and, and it's because of the podcast cultivating that appreciation and gratitude yes sir yeah sure. Well, he's been taking some notes over there, so I want to throw it back over to Chris Klein to see if, if he had any questions for you. Ranger, what do you got, man? Hey, hey. I, you know, Chris, we we want to be respectful of your time. We know that uh, you're probably home now. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we did get home. Actually, by, while we were talking about the spouses, my wife texted me. Because where are you at? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. I'm in the front driveway. Oh, uh, <laughs> good. This yeah, we, awesome. yeah, we want to be respectful of that. And uh, we sure appreciate you coming on. And um, I just wanted to say, like, from the same starting point, uh, you know, like I've been listening and I'm like, wow, you know, the uh, similarities, you know, starting from the same place sure. of the Ranger Battalion going through a military career. And uh, one of the things that's like, you know, talking about, um, you know, uh, not wanting to go to church and, and whatnot. Yeah. I was like, oh, man, that's the same thing. And it's like, I think that's why God uh, makes us experience everything, do it the hard way. And that was like the uh, Ranger Battalion might be that area to people that need to learn the hard way. You need to go here. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think, you know, that you, see, I tell you, I learned something on every podcast. I think you're right, man. Yeah. I think that is why that is, we, we have to learn the hard way. We, we're, we're, we're knuckleheads. I think yeah. I was a yeah. real knucklehead because I had to do it twice. Right. I didn't yeah. go through everything. So I'm like, oh my God. But, yeah. Cause but I was it, like, it, it, I, I bet my life would have been so easier if I would have just listened to church, but no, I had to go do the, everything so, the hard way. And this exactly, is where you end up. <laughs> so, so uh, you're so right, but but this uh, that is the thing though. Both your myself and you, you still got you. You're still in. You're still yes, yeah. Whoever thought Ranger Klein as a task spec four is now you're you're an O four now, and you're what you're probably make O five. When are you going to be a light colonel? Oh, uh, it. You know what? I I have the uh, stumbling block of ILE still to conquer. It's defeated oh. me uh, before, so I still got to get through that. Um, and again, yeah, like I got to do everything twice, so I, I've made one attempt at it and need to try that again. Uh, oh, uh, you know, dang, you know, when we're old and grouchy on our front porches, and this, I guess I'm, right, I'm going around in a full circle. At the end of end of my life, when I'm actually can just be home all the time, I am, and I know you are too. I'm going to be able to sit on my porch, that grouchy old man, telling the young kids to get off my lawn, going, <laughs> "Man, I lived a hell of a life. This was awesome." Yeah. And that's how that's how I always wanted it to be. Not being a multimillionaire, anything like that. It just was money, material things. Don't care if I have them, great. If I don't, great. It's that can I on my deathbed or sitting on my porch? And I always imagine this in my rocking chair. Can I say, man, I I lived a hell of a life. I experienced things. That to me is fulfillment. I can honestly say that. I, I, and I still have more to experience. And well, I know you do too. I, I know, and I you she's. When you do become like Colonel, have me back on the show. You got it. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, you got an opening, uh, an open invitation. Yeah, and the oh, one, one thing though, I, w I want to just point out, like Chris, your like in your book, you know, the gratitude that you show, it's uh, and the strength that you get out of that is amazing, and uh, it's like one of the things too that I've experienced, um, just to make everything. Uh, easier is to just be grateful for the great things in your life. And, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. And one of the things, too, that your faith that, hey, I'm here as a uh, test, um, that, you know, God put me here and I'm being tested. And it's like and, to have that yeah. purpose in life. And it, that's how it always is a test. It, it, it should be. I, we, we grow from 
obstacles and adversity. That's how we get stronger. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll say that a million times. Honestly, I know that for a fact. I know that for a fact, if you want to take it on face value, just from, just from going through the army twice, the second time I went to basic training, it was a lot easier because I knew it was coming. I mean, if you want to talk just honestly, honestly, in a tentative, in a material, tangible area, I say that right there. When you're, when you go through something, if you have to go through it again, it is easier if you learn from it the first time. And I can just say that just from the army itself, rip, rip was easier again. Rip was easier the second time I went through because I knew it was coming. It did mentally. It kind of it can get you because you're anticipating things now because you you know what's coming. But physically, it was easy because I was ready for it. And I think that's why obstacles and adversity and God puts us through things so we can look back. And if we're faced with that obstacle adversity again, it's like I can do this. I, I, I'll give you an example. I, well, last thing before, before I go here, I, I'm keeping you guys too. The first wall that I hit in Benghazi, the first wall that I tried to climb up over. It was an eight foot high block wall. You go in the Middle East, every every dang yard has this these block concrete walls yeah. anywhere. You know? And I remember jumping on it. And you know, I had my Mark forty six. I had uh, a two hundred round drum of ammunition. I had a two hundred round drum on the on the Mark forty six. I had ammo all over the place, body armor, all that. I I did have shorts on. That wasn't movie. I, I actually have those shorts. <laughs> um, um, and I, you know, I was wearing a Mickey, we couldn't put the, put it in the movie, but I had a Mickey Mouse shirt on too, but they wouldn't let us put it in the movie. <laughs> I, I know. I know. I was like, man, are you kidding me? Mickey Mouse shooting terrorists? That, that's America. Why would you put that in the movie? But I, we couldn't do that. But I, I pulled myself up on that wall and it, it, I was 42 and it, it was hard. I, I mean, you imagine those, remember those obstacle courses where you have to do, or even just climb the back. Was it Noble Hill on the back with our body armor on? Well, I remember pulling myself up and, I thought just briefly, I mean, it was longer in my head, but I know it was just quick. It was, man, I don't like to do this because there was four more along the way, plus another building we had to go clear. And um, I thought back to Mount Fraser Ranger School, and I thought back to Mount Yona, and I thought back to going up Mount Yona, that trail at the beginning with that rock when you right get off the bus. Yeah. And I remembered I almost fell out. And I remember an RI behind me, because, you know, you remember, Clinton, you remember if you fall out of that that first trail for Yona, you're out of, you're done, you're done. Oh, right. I remember an RI saying, Ranger, if I, you fall behind me, you're done, you're done. And I remember I found that gear and I shot up that mountain. And I came back to that wall and I went, this is an eight foot high block wall. I went up a, what was it, mountain, you know, five miles? It was four or five miles. It was a, what, what trail? It, it was long. I remember it was a long ass trail. I, was, I, I want to say it was five. Uh-huh. And I remember thinking to myself, man, I went up a five mile trail with a 70 pound rock emaciated because it, you had already been through pre-ranger. I've been through zero weight, been through rap. We've been already been through bending phase. So essentially really I'd been at ranger school for six weeks. I'm like, man, I can do this. And all the pain and the burning in my muscles went away. I was like this. I've already done this before. I've already done stuff so much harder than this eight foot high block wall. And I, I, I attribute that, that your, your mind is, can be the strongest part of you and it can be the weakest part of you. your body can take a lot of pain it can but i also attributed it to man god put me through an obstacle i conquered it he's put me through another one this one's a lot easier than the one i went through then stop complaining and whining and get over that get over that wall and honestly i didn't feel pain the rest of the night out i didn't feel nothing i didn't feel fatigue or anything so that's why i say obstacles are there because we need to learn from them and we get stronger if we allow ourselves to get stronger and that is just an example of, well, it's a testament to the human body, by right? how strong the human body is and how our mind can be very, very strong or very, very weak. But it's also a testament to the spirit, man. Mm-hmm. And the spirit's putting you through things to make you stronger. And God is putting you through things that are going to make you get through that next obstacle you might face down the road. And luckily for me, I remembered it. And I remembered it in a split second. And that's why we say that obstacles are there for a reason. And I can say it metaphorically and I can say it figuratively as well. For real and in metaphor state, obstacles get us stronger once we conquer them. And that is, that's an example of one right there. And I was blessed to go through it. And I I remember it vividly. So, and Ranger School too. I remember Ranger School vividly too. But I I try to forget some of that because that was really, Ranger School is awesome. yeah chris that is an awesome perspective and that's one of the things that it's like when it starts to suck you know try to like keep that right there in your mind like hey Mm -hmm. this is a test and i'm going to become stronger for it 
I'll save you there. And I appreciate it, guys. And I know I ramble. Um, I just, I do like talking about God and faith. I, I really think it needs to be spoken more. And the speaking events, I see it out there that a lot of people are yearning for it. And, and so I'm sorry if I rambled and I went. I just, it, it excites me. It really does. I appreciate oh, it. I'm sorry. No apology necessary. This has been such a fun conversation. God be with you, Chris, in, in everything that Thank you're doing you, today, tomorrow, always, and, and blessings to you and your family and work. Thank you. Thanks. I appreciate it, Chaplain. This podcast is produced by the Oregon National Guard Public Affairs Office. My prayer for you is that wherever you find yourself, that you might find hope for today and strength for the ambiguity and chaos of life. Blessings on the rest of your day.